Welcome to Asked and Answered, the podcast series that answers all your mission-related questions. And with me in the studio today are Ron and Karis Pierce. Hello, Joy. Hello. Welcome back. Okay, are you ready for today's question? Yes. It's all about the National Church workers, which we hear a lot about in um, everything that Empower is doing. And my question today, can you tell our listeners why they're so effective at planting all of these churches? Sometimes um, what the reports we hear, they're planting dozens, in some cases, hundreds of churches, which mm-hmm. sounds really incredible. Well, first you have to back up and say, how can they do this with people and what is the what what's the situation surrounding the people they're preaching to? Okay. And we have to then go back and say, well, there's a spiritual hunger in the world today in many of these countries, not all, but in many countries, which is unparalleled in history. And therefore their worlds are falling apart, either through fear, COVID or mm-hmm. war or um, whatever is striking right now. And at the same time, their world religions are falling apart. So that means that where they used to go to find answers to life and peace in their heart is no longer viable for them as an option. Um, They are giving up on the Hinduisms of this world and the communism of this world. And And why? Why are they? They're not finding the answers. It's just, uh, they're dry. Uh, Some of it's a new generation. And also a lot of it is that their eyes are being opened to the fact that there are alternatives in religion. Remember that until the internet and Mm -hmm. modern travel with airplanes came about, people were locked in their countries and they would not know that there's another world out there. And now all of a sudden since, well, you're going to say 91-ish when it started, but also into the 2000s, that's when people really started to get online Mm -hmm. and have their eyes opened. That's when a new generation grew up that had better idea of what was going on around the world. And they heard things and they saw things and they read things on the internet, other religions, other ideas and things. Right, okay. Therefore, all of a sudden they're saying, hmm, maybe my traditional religion of my ancestors, my mom and dad going backwards, wasn't the only option here. And I don't know. So they were asking these questions. God says, come, let us reason together, because God loves a good question, and he's got all the answers. Right. And therefore, they start to look, they start to ask questions, they've grown up, it's spread to their children. Now, And, and you're seeing there. this in all of the spiritual hotspots? You yes. say they, so it's really all-encompassing. It's an all-encompassing. Okay. But not every part of the world that has the internet is on fire for God. Right. I don't know why some are and some aren't. I have right. no idea. But at the same time, we just identify the ones that are hungry. That's where the national pastors, the indigenous pastors, Mm -hmm. evangelists, are very effective because they're walking in and they're saying, have you considered Jesus? Mm. And they say, well, tell us about him. And they explain it. God shows up sometimes. um, And, and, you know, in worship services, there's the odd miracle that happens, etc. And then this new generation and many older generation, too, will say, hmm, this is what we've been looking for. And that's why on that end of things, it's working well. Then you get to, okay, what about the the preachers? Um, And you can look at those young pastors that are out there primarily. They have a ton of energy supplied by the Holy Spirit. I was going to say it has to be supernatural energy because they're constantly working. Exactly. Right. And they're, they're out there walking. They're out there preaching. They go without sleep. They go without food. Um, They work 
I'm well, they're say, under duress as well, right? Yeah. Persecuted. Uh, people will criticize me if I say they work seven days a week because it's you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> okay. The day of rest. Yeah, the day of rest, etc. Um, they work six and a half days a week. <laughs> all right. In other words, yeah. get my drift here. Right. Is they don't they don't carve it out. Do they have good families? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do they spend time with their children? Yes. Do they do these things? But they are not workaholics. But they have a real good work ethic right. for the kingdom. Yeah. And that's the thing that we've got to remember here. Sometimes we're looking at in ministry in North America and around the world, we ask the question when we're being hired, well, what are the benefits that I'm going to receive? Mm. They don't ask that overseas. <laughs> they say, can I please go out and share the gospel? And they say, yeah, but you might not have any money um, up front for this, or they might, you might have to do this, these hardships. You're going to be preaching a lot and travel. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And right. uh, they are eager to go out and work. Well, that actually reminds me of a story you told once about an Ethiopian church planter who was trained and ready to go, mm-hmm. but he wanted to go to an area mm-hmm. that the elders in his area didn't think he was ready for, exactly. didn't want him to go. Yep. And he kept asking, he kept asking, and they said, well, not yet. And then finally he went to them and said, I'm going, yep. I'm using my own money yep. because this is where I'm called to go. And he yep. went. Yep. And that's a whole other story. But. He said to me, he says, I told them, I said, give me your blessing or not. It doesn't yeah. matter. I've waited long enough. They're dying without Jesus. Yeah. And so I'm going. And he started a church. Do you remember how he? Yeah. Well, he went, I do. He, he went into this um, area. Yeah. And he, um, it was very challenging at first. Mm-hmm. And he ended up with uh, great success yeah. because he walked into this village yeah. and he just started it was it was such a good story because he just started sharing about Jesus mm-hmm. um and like you said they listened mm-hmm. they were immediately intrigued because mm-hmm. they had yet to hear about mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. And I believe a big church started up there so much so that then those elders came and visited mm-hmm. and and then it grew from there exactly yeah exactly. it's a great story he actually went to a worship leader of another religion yeah. and he confronted him and walked around after him and prayed for him, and he was like his shadow <laughs> because God said, follow this guy. And so he did. He kept praying. In the yes, finally, it was very specific. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the guy turned around and said, why are you following me? <laughs> and he says, I'm praying for you. And um, then he explained the gospel, and he became his sidekick. That's right. He became the assistant pastor in the church that they started. And that's always usually effective in some of these countries because if someone of influence accepts the Lord, exactly. then they have— the power exactly. to transform other people. So getting back to it, right. you've got the field that is ripe because of world conditions and the situation. And then you've got these fellows that are working hard and they're out there preaching. Now, there's a third factor, all right? And that is the fact that it's an intangible. You can say, well, it's through hard work. No, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. This is a burden that they have. And they've read the word of God. They see the lostness of people for eternity. And therefore, they know very well that there's another dynamic. And that is the convincing power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we do our part. God has prepared the field. They work hard. They go in. They preach, they preach, they preach. They tell the story. And then they pray. And they pray and they say, Lord, please melt their hearts. Open their ears. Mm -hmm. Open their eyes. Let them see the truth. And they start to. And then it grows. And then it becomes almost like a, 
um, a disease that spreads, a good disease this time. Right. And it's something that is going and, and it picks up speed with the people. Then the pastor has to run to catch up to the gospel. And this is a whole new thing. So it's not just energy to get it started. But once the Spirit of God moves in them, then these guys have got to run faster, bringing in the harvest, explaining what it means, doing water baptisms, mm -hmm. all of these things. So there's a lot of reasons for this. Then there's another factor on top of that, and that is that the community, after this church gets started, starts looking and saying, wow, this thing's really grown fast. These people are different. They love this. They're, they're different people. You know, Joe down the road, he became one of these Jesus people. Mm -hmm. And now this guy is totally a different man. He's given up on the evils of life, the gambling and the swearing mm -hmm. and the beating of family and all of this. He's given up on that. This guy's really good now. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the pastor has to be drawn in to explain what this good is. And therefore, this is why it's working so well. It's a snowball. Oh, it, right. We've gone from a four-cylinder engine to an eight-cylinder <laughs> engine overnight, yeah. and everybody is in there working, and God is just really moving in these right. areas. That's why they're successful. It makes me think of the village in Vietnam where uh, the church planter went in, and the village accepted the Lord, and he was going to the next village, and they came out and escorted him in because they were waiting. They were exactly. waiting. They were, yeah. It wasn't—he was trying to keep up with what the Lord was exactly. doing. Because he had gone before him. Well, the rumors had spread mm -hmm. and messengers were sent and they said, this is happening here and we've always wanted this. Make sure they get here okay because this might be our last chance. So it's a whole new ball game when it comes oh. to the way, the way it's spreading so quickly. It's an eagerness to hear. Whereas Westerners, our situation over here is much more difficult. We don't have ears sometimes to hear. We are more captivated with the toys of life. There's all sorts of things going on here that causes confusion of the mind. Well, we've been saturated with a watered-down version that yeah. we're somewhat content with as well. So exactly. then when something real, more real is presented, yeah. we think we've heard it before. And we get distracted, too. Mm -hmm. oh. We have so many distractions in life. Busyness, busy, busy, busy little mm -hmm. bees over here. Over there, they have more simplified life. And yeah. that, therefore, it means that, you know, they go into the fields— they raise a crop, they come home, they cook their food, they're with family. There's a lot of relationship building, right. friends, and everything like that. Now, we haven't mentioned another vital factor. When you throw the Bible in, shall we say, hmm. into the mix of this whole thing, and the people all of a sudden get to read the pathway to eternal life, all the promises of God, all the ways that he's worked things out throughout history, uh, everything they've wanted to hear, they're reading now. And their pastor is walking in and he said, see, I told you so. Mm. I told you so. And therefore, these people are just reading and reading voraciously, incorporating the Word of God into their lives and their societies. And that is another factor that fuels mm. the spread. Which is why Empower focuses so heavily on Scripture, because well, that's it, what's essential. It, exactly. It. And, and see, the thing is, Joy, that people will come to us from these various areas. And in fact, I just got off the phone with one situation just before walking into the studio here. And uh, it's somebody that desperately needed the Word of God because the people were hungry. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's a matter of you have to feed that hunger. Right. And it's it's something that people want. We get more requests now for the Word of God as the primary 
contact with Empower than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's not a person that phones us up and says, you know, I'd really like a new church building or I'd really like some uh, a new clothes or have you got a car for me? Right. No, they're desperate. They say, Ron, we are overwhelmed with people that have accepted Christ or are hungry for the Lord. We need Bibles, New Testaments. What have you got? Anything. Right. And therefore, that's why it's so primary to our operation. Mm. Would you be able to pick a single country, I know this will be difficult for you, where the church planters are more effective or or working harder? Let, let's say, because I know you do tell stories from Vietnam. Now, the church planters in Vietnam, for instance— they traverse through jungles. Mm-hmm. They're going through mountains. Mm-hmm. They're the just the landscape alone that they have to travel over to mm-hmm. get to the churches. And you have said in the past that some of these, most of these guys, they do more than um, one church in a day. Mm-hmm. And but then again, when you go to Ethiopia, you have these church planners who are planning dozens, sometimes hundreds. Mm-hmm. So I, while the country may be different, really the worker remains the same even through the. The difficulties. Okay. I'm going to use that last word, difficulties. For a Western observer who gets in a car and drives and stays at night in a holiday inn, goes to fast food, that's a real tough trip. All right? Right. So, Especially if it's McDonald's. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and therefore, I would say that from our eyes— their lifestyle over there is difficult in comparison to us. Okay. But to them, it's normal. They do this anyway. They, they walk through the jungle. They, oh, okay. they, it, it, it's a total different approach to life. They look at us and um, they tell us stories about going through the jungles right. like in Vietnam, yeah. traversing the rivers, uh, all this sort of stuff. But to them, it's sort of like, well, that's normal, isn't it? Yeah. They don't know the difference. It's us who can compare they right. don't know what to compare to. Uh, one time I was in Vietnam, to pick up on your yep. point, though, and um, there was a brother there. Uh, we, I nicknamed him Goldtooth, and uh, he was a little evangelist like you wouldn't believe, starting churches all over the place. He had to move to a more rural area because in Vietnam, everybody for 25 kilometers around, I think it was, had accepted the Lord, <laughs> and they had churches. He started 45 churches. Okay. And wow. so he, he was only a young guy, young family. I remember his little kids. I visited him one time in a, in a jungle village, and he probably had little ones that were about, um, oh, I'm going to say four or five years of age. And he started when he was 17 years of age in ministry, had to move. And when he was doing that, he would run across the border into Laos and in times into Cambodia, and he would be starting churches. So I said, so how do you start those churches? Oh, he says, friend of mine and I, we go for a run. Um, the guards at the, sometimes the border guards are shooting at us with guns, but we run through the trees in the jungles. We've got food buried en route. We dig up, we spend the night sleeping. We swing through the vines and the trees sometimes to elude the police. Uh, it's like a little Tarzan movie going on here. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah, Indiana Jones. <laughs> and they're running like that. And um, he says, we get there to the destination of the other country. We'll preach. We'll start churches, et cetera. We're there for maybe a week or two. Mm-hmm. And then we come back home running the whole way. And I said, so what do you consider that to be? Is that church planning? He says, no, that's my holiday. <laughs> and uh, he says, I take, I take a break to do that. And I said, so um, you only spend a week or two in that other area? And he says, well, we got to get home. And he, I said, yeah, I, I'm surprised you could, uh, you know, do it. 
Well, he says, we, we do spend that time too, because it's a long run, you know, run. And he says, <laughs> it takes us a week or so to get our energy back again, to run back home. Wow. So that's yeah. a perspective issue. Now, did Gold Tooth actually have a gold tooth? Not to digress. Yeah. Okay, just wanted to get yeah. that visual. Yeah, it was about the only one he had to. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, it was a matter of, I, I nicknamed them for security situations. Right. But the idea that this guy was on fire, yeah. he had a burden for the lost, he ran, he did whatever was necessary. To him, that was normal life. So right. I can't answer your question. Basically. So, okay. So then to jump to Ethiopia, you mentioned how, um, you know, the different styles of church planting. Now, I know for a fact in Ethiopia, it's mm-hmm. very conversational because they have that coffee ceremony. Mm-hmm. It's part of their tradition. It's what mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. So for them to plant churches, it, it it starts more with a genuine conversation over coffee, yeah. over, you know, those hours of discussion. Yeah, it's, uh, that's part of it. Part of it is going in. And to a village, and God has warned, opened the ears and eyes of the leadership of that village that uh, a pastor is coming through. Sometimes that's through dreams or visions. Right. Um, sometimes uh, it is, as you say, through relationships. Uh, I know a little lady there um, that I met, and her she accepted the Lord and her whole family. And she was being trained for six weeks in how to share her faith. She was going to be walking for the next six months to her relatives in all the villages around, sharing the gospel, opening doors. So that was a relationship. Right. The husband and the boys and the family cut her loose to do it. And therefore, she was going to walk. And uh, I said to her, I said, why are you doing this? And she says, well, we found the answer finally to life. And she says, "Um, I have to go. I love them. Um, it's my responsibility to go. Right. So therefore, there's the social factor. Yeah. There's the opportunity around coffee, which is true. Right. That's when they get to share a lot. Everybody relaxes. Yeah. You know, and then you go to another level of mass preaching, and then you go to the limit. It's limitless mm-hmm. as far as points of contact that you can make in any society, not alone just Ethiopia. But there's always a way God has designed. Um, One time I remember in Ethiopia, a guy said I was walking along the road and he says um, they were were having a funeral. And uh, he says uh, they were having a funeral. Somebody had died, et cetera. He walked up, just stood there (laughs) and uh, just mourned with the mourners, shall Mm -hmm. we say. And then when they were walking away from the funeral, he started to share the gospel with them. And uh, he says, I started to share about Jesus Christ being the one who says, I can give you eternal life. And he got to share with people on their way home. They invited him back to their village. He shared in the village about it. It was just an opportunity. He says, there's people over there. I'm going to go stand with them. Didn't know what really what was going on. Right. So this is the difference of taking every opportunity for the gospel. And to um, hop to another country, let's say Cuba, we have lots of church planters in Cuba. And this will be my my final thing, because I know Cuba is a communist country, and I know that they are struggling with food and hunger. Mm-hmm. And to end this podcast, did the church planters in Cuba, when they're planning their churches, and they're, they're just as effective in, in doing that, and the church is growing in Cuba as well, are they driven by um, the persecution happening in the country as much the people accepting the Lord? Is that a factor? It's harder now because so many people are hungry. The primary thing is tied to find food. So the spiritual right. things, it's like in a war. In a war, when you're being bombed, 
you're not thinking so much about the gospel. You're thinking about staying alive. Right. Same thing is true in Cuba when there's a famine. You're staying alive. But there's a point in time when those things become secondary or normalized. And then, then you get a chance to share about Jesus and eternal life, who gives you abundant life, etc. So in Cuba, it would be more there at this stage, the doors are still open, they're still winning people to the Lord, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's tougher to get an audience when you're scrounging for, in the fields for food. Right. All right. So it, it, you go through these good times and bad times in an area. You want to balance between where there's enough safety and there's enough food for the people to relax Mm. a bit, but there's also an emptiness in their souls that you can fill with the truth of the gospel. So you've got to find that balance. Sometimes you lean one way or the other too much, you got problems. But overall, around the world, it's working well. Okay, well, thank you. That was excellent. 